Are we live? Are we live? Hello, God bless and welcome. I don't know if we're live or not, but hello, God bless and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty. You're watching the God Logic Project coming to you live on Facebook instead of YouTube, and we'll explain that in a second. Today, I got a couple of childhood friends. They were partners in addiction. They now are in re recovery brotherhood. Uh, they are recovery leaders, and they're going to be live on the God Logic Project. But first, the intro music. Hello, God bless, and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty, and this is the God Logic Project. Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> That's right. I'm Kevin Haggerty. That's Mike Houston telling me to shut up like he does every week. I got two guys in here. They've been on the show before. These are guys I really admire. Uh, they do a tremendous job uh, serving the recovery community. They got a really unique story, and we're going to get into that today. But first, I want to thank you guys for going to thegodlogicproject.com and clicking on the Amazon logo and then shopping as normal because Amazon is sending a percentage of what you purchase to the God Logic Project to help to pay for this ministry. Uh, so if you go to godlogicproject.com and click on the Amazon logo, if you're going to shop Amazon anyway, it is a really big help to us. Uh, and then, of course, you, those of you that are donating via PayPal, you can do that on the website. And I want to thank you guys, of course, for subscribing, sharing our content. And if you would here on Facebook, like our page, and you'll be uh, plugged into. Uh, Every time we upload a new and some new content, but first, that's that that's the business side of things. Now we're going to talk to Mike and Steve, right? Mike Gasparino, Steve Sunquist. You guys have an incredible story of recovery, uh, a unique story, I think, and and it is it's really the amount of time you guys have been together through good times and bad times, which is heartwarming on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I think you know we, we we've almost got a Valentine's Day theme going here. A little bit. So anything you guys would like to announce to the country here on the God Logic Project? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, introduce yourself. Give us a little bit about of your background. Then, Steve, you do the same, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. Sure thing. My name's Mike Gasparino, uh, and I'm an alcoholic hey, Mike. Uh, and an addict. Hey, Mike. Um, Welcome. Yeah, so thanks, guys. So I'm 33 years old. I'm originally born in Texas. Uh, but I've lived in Florida for almost 20-something years. Consider myself a Floridian now. And um, I met Steve. Uh, my grandparents used to live next door to his parents when I was five and he was three years old. Right. And um, I guess we would kind of be like first friends, you know. Um, but briefly about myself, like so when I was that age, my family used to come to Florida uh, from Texas every Christmas, certain holidays for vacations. And Steve and I would, you know, my grandparents would send me over to go play with Steve, go play Legos, go play Lincoln Logs, whatever. And our friendship dates back, well, shoot, you're looking at 28 years now. Right. Um, I'm in recovery now. Um, I have a little over two years of sobriety. I went through a an addiction of since I was about 16 years old until I was 31. So about 15 years of battling with a crippling addiction um, uh, opioid addiction, I'm guessing. Correct. Yep. It started with marijuana and alcohol and led to raging opiate addiction. Right. And I, when I was about 19 or 20 is when things started to really take off with the opiates. Uh, you're looking at the mid-2000s, right in the beginning of the pill mill days, mm. uh, right here in Florida. Um, I had no idea what I was getting involved in. When I was that age, I thought taking a Percocet was like smoking some pot. Like, I didn't know the ramifications that were going to be behind it. You know, smoking pot, everybody does it. You wake up the next day, there's no consequences, whatever. I didn't know that weeks after starting my first pill that I'd end up dope sick and not able to sleep. With right, right, right. And Achy and right, right. So, Steve, then you you, you were uh, you're a couple of years younger, but you tell me a little bit about your story. How did you... Uh, How'd you kind of stumble into the world of addiction? Yeah, so I'm 30 years old. I was raised in Newport Ritchie, Florida, and, you know, Mike became my first friend. And um, I come from a good family, you know, and, and I speak all over the place, and I say this every time. Addiction does not discriminate. It doesn't yeah. affect the people that are less fortunate. It affects literally anybody, um, people from good families, people in corporate jobs, people, athletes, you know, in my case and his case as well. You know, we came from good families. However, it just got a hold of us, you know, without us knowing it, you know, one innocent decision, you know, and my, my uh, addiction started at 15, you know, after the first drink I had, after I had that drink, I realized that this alcohol 
gave me the courage to believe that I could truly be myself for the first time in my life and I could be accepted by others. And the feedback that I got from the people at that, at that party that night were, you know, Steve, wow, like we love when you drink, like you're the life of the party, you're hilarious. And like at that moment, all I wanted throughout my life was to be accepted by others and be, you know, the center of attention. So um, from that moment on, man, my, my addiction started every weekend from there on. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until I got into my junior year of high school after I had surgery on my elbow that I found pain pills. Yeah. Um, and at the age of 16, similar to what Mike said, if you would have told me after that first pain pill I took at 16, if I would become a heroin addict, I would have told you that you're crazy. Mm. But that's what my addiction ended up with is a full-blown heroin addict. Well, let's talk about then, talk about briefly the, the, your time together in addiction. So I'm guessing it was, it, it, that's not the kind of thing that kind of ramps up. It, it, in my experience, in my drinking and drugging, it was bad from the beginning. It mm-hmm. never, I don't have any fond memories of my drinking and drugging. Right. Uh, so, which is a kind of a blessing. It's the gift of desperation. I don't romanticize sitting on a beach chair with Corona and my toes between the sand because right. I didn't drink and drug like that in the first place. Uh, but tell me, give me kind of a, draw a picture for me. We're talking about here in Florida, Newport Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in the beginning, man, I, I can tell you it was fun. You know, we were having a good time until it literally changed our decisions that we were making. It changed our mind. It alters your mind, your state of mind and body, like it says in the big book, you know. And, like, at that point, I didn't have control anymore. I know he didn't have control. I didn't have control. Most of our friends did not have control. All we were focused on was doing anything we could hurting people intentionally, unintentionally to get the next one. Because in addiction, if nobody's familiar with it, like you have this tunnel vision and all you can do is focus on getting that next one and you'll do anything it takes to get that high. And in my experience, the high that you're chasing will never be the same as the first one that you got. Never. I, I know I'll never forget. Uh, you good? Yeah. I'll never forget the first time. Sorry, yeah, you're good. Yeah, of course, that beard gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget the first time that I found out that I was what they call dope sick. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Um, I was, I don't know, maybe 19 years old. I was using uh, Oxycontin back then. And um, I remember calling my friend and saying, like, dude, I can't sleep. Uh, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I've never experienced this before in my life. Um, why can't I get still? Why can't I get settled? Why do I, why am I sweating a little bit? And I'll never forget. He said like, dude, you're sick. I said, what? No, I'm not, dude. Like, I don't get sick. You know, I haven't been sick in years. He's like, no, you're, you're sick. You're in withdrawal, dude. Come over, get your, get yourself a pill and let's do it. And the sickness will go away. And right then my life changed. Mm -hmm. Once I learned what that was and the feeling that was behind it, uh, like Steve's talking about, we did anything and everything we could to not feel that way anymore. And what age are we talking about? I was 19 at the yeah. time. He's, you know, a couple yeah, years I started. Younger. I started at about seven. I mean, I was I was addicted in high school. I just never had experience withdrawals until I got out of high school. Yeah, so and you the had back time, then they, they were giving uh, everybody, you know, here's 100 uh, Oxycontin right, for, right, your, for your right. toothache. And, and you that's, know? that's where it went. Like, I went from being a little dope sick one night after, you know, like I'm doing Oxycontin, not that many. I'm maybe doing one or two a day, whatever I can get my hands on. So by the time that I was 20 years old in Florida and I was prescribed 120 Oxycontin, 80 milligram pills, 240 Roxy 30s, 90 Xanax and 90 Somas once a week, Mm -hmm. going to four different doctors a month and not just myself, but Steve, all of our friends, the captain. So, yeah, so you're working the system. Are you yeah, selling right. these things? Did you go into business we, or I, you just I, used it? I tried to sell them because I <laughs> I thought that's what I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to be a drug dealer. Who but, would? But, right. right, you know, the money was good back then, but at the same time, everything I got from selling my pills went right back up my <laughs> nose. So I'm like, you know, what am I doing? You know, I just got to a point where my addiction was too strong for me to maintain the life as a drug dealer, and I just did all my supply. And the crazy thing is, what he's talking about is we had all those massive amounts of prescriptions, and we would still end up running out every every <laughs> single month. Dope sick. Yeah, every single every month. single week, every mm-hmm. single month. So you needed a sober person to yeah. manage that for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a guy that could be making money right, in the dope right, world. Right. Yeah. Like he charged a percentage for uh, right. just for keeping you guys on the straight and narrow. Yeah, I used to glorify it that like, man, I could sell these all over the country, and I'll be like some kind of you know Scarface flying all over, like taking first class with all my ox. 
proxies and blah, blah, blah. But I could never make it through the week and be out of money, and I couldn't even buy lunch for work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, uh, it's, mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah. I remember the first time I was dope sick. I was on my way back from, uh, well, I went up to Atlanta for a wedding with my family. I was probably 18 or 19 years old. And I had a few pills with me. I did them all, obviously. I mean, I'm an addiction. I can't rationalize, you know, rationalize. It's bad my, planning. My, You're my, not in a position <laughs> to plan. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. To portion. So we were up there the first day. Uh, you know, I felt all right. The second day was the wedding, and I woke up. I was, had the flu-like symptoms. You know, my legs are starting to be jittery. I'm sweating and I'm like you know what's going on and um went through the wedding um obviously drank to help my nerves calm myself down and I just couldn't sleep that night and that was brutal so the next day my my family said you know we're gonna go to Six Flags and I was just miserable the whole entire day and imagine being dope sick trying to walk around the theme park it was just it was horrible so um I told my parents that I wasn't feeling good, that I had to go back home to do something. I made up some excuse, you know, because as addicts, we manipulate everybody in our life. So uh, I made up an excuse that I had to go back home. I think I made it home from Atlanta to Tampa in like five and a half hours. And it's crazy because I remember this like yesterday when I was about 30 minutes out, all that sickness Mm -hmm. went away. And I knew that I was going to get high, and I was like, okay, I got a problem. This is yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. And the second I did the pill, I felt normal for the first time in days, and that's when I knew it was out of my control. I found when I was a kid that I had uh, – I quit drinking and drugging when I was 21. So I started very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first visit to the rooms was at 16. They were going to either put me away or I can go there for a week. So, of course, I went there for a week. But I remember – I could almost remember the time that I realized that the hair of the dog – that bit me was going to help me here and that if I save some alcohol for the morning, I wouldn't get those massive hangovers, you know? And, uh, little did I know that was the death knell of my drink. And I might've lasted another two years after that, but every day I was a maintenance blackout drinker. Right. So I was like a Bowery bum. Right. Uh, I had to get up in the middle of the night and drink. I'd drink as soon as I woke up in the morning, I'd go to work with alcohol. I drove my truck with alcohol. I did everything I had to do. Never, st- I could never stop. Now I'm drinking without my own permission. I have to do it now. And uh, so the only way out, I thought, would be that I would be dead one day. And I almost got my wish. And then I chickened out. I was 21. I didn't have to shave yet. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want to die. Get right. me out of this, Lord, right. and I'll never go back, uh, which is a prayer I prayed, uh, yeah. I don't know, a thousand times before that. Before we get too deep into their story, I want to thank you guys, of course, for supporting the God Logic Project. And here's a very important part of what we do here. If there's anything I can do for you or a family member or a loved one, uh, Message me at GodLogicProject.com. Send me a message. I have resources, and these gentlemen are in the recovery field here in the state of Florida, but I have resources here and outside of the state of Florida, uh, and I'd be glad to help. So if you, if you go to GodLogicProject.com, email me a message, uh, and, and if there's a way I can help you either spiritually or with your addiction, anything like that, I'm always willing to do it. And I know these guys are because they're, uh, they're in the business now. They've dedicated their lives to that, uh, and there's a lot of people out there that have. So don't think that you're... You're kind of going through this by yourself. If you follow the God Logic Project, I have a lot of folks in here, parents of addicts and, and loved ones and addicts themselves that never thought they'd get out of this mess. And, and this is where the hope comes from, and this is what we're trying to bring to folks. So you guys... Uh, Real you, quick, Kevin, I need all of my friends right now to go on God Logic Project and subscribe to the YouTube channel and give Kevin a Haggerty a like. Yeah, Thank I think you. he's right. I think that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, that's yeah, a tremendous amount. and everybody on my page as well. It's not just a like. It's go on the YouTube page and subscribe, right? Subscribe, that- yeah. Like the Facebook page. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. The reason we're on Facebook today and not on YouTube is yeah. because Facebook requires that you have a 1,000 subscribers to do a lot of things. One of those things is to live stream. But thanks to the Sling Studio, I've always been able to live stream here from the studio, except that they might have been on to me. So they blocked me from <laughs> going to YouTube today, uh, and, and so we're, we're streaming on Facebook, which I'm fine with. I love my Facebook community, too. But it puts us in, in a position where now I really need to get to 1,000 subscribers. So if you guys would take a, a second out of your day, go to youtube.com forward slash Project and just subscribe. If you want to get updates for when, we're gonna, when we put up new content or when we go live, ring the alert bell. If not, you can watch it later. But please take a second, subscribe. Encourage other folks to do the same. Uh, we're at something. We're under 400 subscribers right now. Need to get to 1,000. Love to get to a million. But uh, the most important thing is that we're able to, to – uh, to sustain this ministry, uh, this it's the first year, Absolutely. and I don't expect to be flying high, but uh, I'm looking forward to the day that it's not my money supporting this whole thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> so anyway, so you guys, 
tearing Actually, it up right yeah, here. I don't I don't mean to interrupt you but I, I wanted to get this off my uh off my head while you reminded me of it when you started talking about your foxhole prayers mm. uh a thousand times or whatever you would ask to get out of this god please help me get some more alcohol I won't do this ever again please, you know whatever this will be the last time yeah right this will be the last time I quit hey. drinking every morning <laughs> right yeah know, yeah while I was drinking right right <laughs> so that's actually so I run a group on Friday mornings uh with all our clients where where I work at and uh one of the biggest lessons that I try and teach in the group is to stop praying for yourself and to start praying for others. Mm. So usually what we do is it's a coin out ceremony. The person is getting ready to you know go on with their lives after successfully completing our program. And what I'm doing is I'm passing around a coin to the rest of the people in the group, the other, you know, the other drug you know, addicts and alcoholics who are in the room. And when they get the coin, they're no longer supposed to be praying, God, help me get out of rehab so I can just be with my wife or whatever. <laughs> the prayer is directed at the person leaving. Yeah. And and the reason why I do that is because in early sobriety, my sponsor taught me to start praying for anybody, everybody, people you're mad at, people you don't like, people, whatever, family members, friends, people in your halfway, people everywhere. And when I started to do that, I started to start to care about other people. And my problems started to seem this big because I was concerned about other people's problems. Yeah. And, and it was just a lesson that I learned and it actually changed my, just changed my life so much that now I try and pay that forward in that group every Friday because it was a lesson that I learned that saved my life and, and stopped me having a 15 year addiction. And uh, just I'm, like that, I'm absolutely convinced by the way that self-centeredness is the other ingredient in any kind of relapse. So before you get back into a dysfunctional relationship, uh, the, the last thing you think about is yourself before you get back in that relationship, before you drink and drug again. The state comes and takes your kids, and you drink and drug because the state took your kids. That's not really true because what you were thinking about when, when that happened was yourself, or you mm -hmm. wouldn't have drank and drugged, right? So it seems to me being a drug addict or being an alcoholic isn't the only requirement for, for to be active right. because the three of us would be, right? Right. So uh, then the question becomes, what's the other What's the other thing? And it's it's it's... Uh, uninterrupted self-will. Mm -hmm. It is that self-centeredness. Page 62 of our literature is a verbal tongue lashing uh, about selfishness and self-centeredness and self-centered fear. Page 63 has a third step mm -hmm. prayer on it. And the line in that prayer that knocked me out of my shoes was, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do yep. thy will. That I'm, I'm the problem, not, not necessarily the drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol without mixing with Kevin, with, with self-centeredness, just sits there and, and is innocuous. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's when people like the three of us and in, get involved in drugs and alcohol. And, that, yeah. and, and how is it? That, what's the last the last sentence of that third step? Well, it's it's in the middle. Take away the um, excuse me the difficulties. Yeah, that, so that victory over them may bear witness to others. Right. To others. thy uh, yeah to thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. Right. So the victory over them, so that all of my problems, when God started to relieve some of the things that were going on with me, and then somebody sees that who's got five days clean, mm. and they're like, holy crap. Yeah, God did something for Mike. Um, maybe it wasn't even God. I don't know wh yeah. what it was. I don't know if I believe or not, but Mike used to be a raging heroin addict. Mm -hmm. Now look at him. And yeah. now look at him, and that's exactly what that third step prayer is. Well, how many that. times have you been at a meeting, and you're talking to somebody, and you know you know them, but you're not sure how? I could tell you my buddy Junior, he and I were friends for years while he was a crackhead. And uh, I was friends with his brother. And here I'm talking to this guy that's put on some weight, clean cut, cut his hair, showered, shaved, looking good. And I know I know him, but I'm not sure how I know him. I'm 10 minutes into the conversation before I say, wait a minute, you're so-and-so's brother. He's like, right. yeah. And I didn't know. I knew I knew him, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't believe the difference in just right. a few months from, from the guy I knew who tried to pay me like $2.34 for a plumbing job at his mom's house. He's right. like pulling out lint yeah. out of his pocket. You know, you want a piece of gum? I don't want you to do it for free. You know, I'm like, don't worry about it. I got it. Right. I, uh, I actually carry, um, the where I went to treatment actually uh, gives us like ID badges, gave us ID badges when we were there. And if you look at these, I carry these with me everywhere I go. Here you go, Kevin. Um, I carry them with me everywhere I go. And anytime I speak at an AA meeting or in a group or I'm meeting somebody for the first time in detox who doesn't believe that I'm actually clean or whatever, I show them those pictures. Because if you look at me now and you look at those, that, I went to rehab three times that year. These are rehab IDs? Those are rehab IDs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hold and on a second. 
Can, are you able to zoom in on them or anything? But <laughs> it, when you look at those pictures and then you look at me now, you know, like I, I you know, take care of myself. My hair's combed, you Dude, know. And those you were back in a week in December 2017. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a funny story about that is uh, not funny. It's, just, it, it's crazy how things work yeah. is this, this is this is a cool story. Steve was a part of this. So I went to that treatment center for the second time. And while I was there, it was a detox fully staffed with nurse practitioners and all types of, you know, medical staff. And they said, you are so physically decrepit and beaten, we cannot take care of you. And I had to actually leave. So the reason why those are a week apart is that I actually had to leave. Get better before you can go get better. They sent me to a hospital. (laughs) And I had to spend nine days in the hospital because my body was riddled with blood clots that were about to go to my brain and kill me. Well, let me try to show these on the yeah, camera here sure if I can. Thing. Yeah. I don't know. And I think that's a pivotal moment in Mike's sobriety um, where he saw the light in someone like myself to where I had that change of perception. I had that spiritual connection. And I think at that moment, I mean, I'll let him tell you, but I, I think that was a very pivotal moment for him to see that he can do this as well. Right. Well, these are the pictures that he's talking about, and that that guy in all those pictures there. Uh, so is so that is that handsome dude sitting in my studio right now, Mike Gasparino? So. <laughs> yeah. Give yourselves. A- Hold on. So this is where the recovery. That was our real studio audience, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That oh, was yeah, not electronic. Uh, wave to the crowd over there. <laughs> I see it. There's like a thousand people. Um, so this is what Steve's talking about. It was a pivotal moment. Okay. So growing up, we briefly touched on me and Steve knew each other since we were little kids. Mm-hmm. I was older. Okay. Um, I was the guy on the varsity baseball team while he was still, you know, maybe in middle school or a freshman or whatever. And he's looking up to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was, I was popular, or, you know, whatever. And. That's probably how a lot of our lives were. But sitting in that hospital room, Steve came to visit me, he brought me Chick-fil-A, and we sat down in there. And, and, it, and for once in my life, I wanted something that Steve had now. <clears throat> Steve had seven months sober at the time. He was looking good. He was putting on weight. Um, he was talking about prayer. He was talking about God, things that we had never ta- – I'd known him for 28 years, and we never discussed anything yeah. like this. And the man had some type of glow about him. Man seemed to not be the same skinny um, drug addict that I knew. Mm-hmm. He was now like a genuine friend who came to the hospital where I'm dying, mm-hmm. and he came and sat in there with me, and, and f- no one paid him to do that. Nobody, nobody made him do so it. So it's, it's a program of attraction after right. all, right? And so I didn't get... tell him to do anything yeah. other than just to take care of himself, you know, and I didn't, I didn't push anything on him. I didn't tell him you have to do this. You have to do that. And I don't do that with any of my sponsees. I just tell them what worked for me. Yeah. And if they don't want what you have, it doesn't really make a difference. Right. My worry is, and what I run into a lot, maybe you guys can speak into this is that people tend to want to recover from the consequences of their addiction. Right. They want the ankle break, the ankle monitor off. They want to be off house arrest. They want their wife back. They want the kids back. They want their husband back. They want the job back. They want the status back. Right. They want a car back, whatever it is. In a couple of years, they get these things, and then they seem to undo everything that everything that uh, that got them where they were in the first place, right. you know. And they're right back out, and that that's heartbreaking to me. After you know, sometimes we invest a year or two in somebody, and you watch them self destruct. It's crushing. So, speaking to the idea that that uh, the importance of putting your recovery first, and and that you can trust in when when you were laying in that bed, you can trust in what Steve was telling you, even mm-hmm. if he was a perfect stranger. The, the He's there for no is, other reason the, except to, to to help you help yourself. The the craziest thing is, and and it might seem so small to anybody listening who who may not understand, but Steve bought me ten dollars worth of Chick Fil A, and he walked into that hospital room, and I and I was like, dude, I don't have any money or whatever, and just the fact that he had an extra $10 to spend on Chick-fil-A for me that day was so shocking because in our addiction, (laughs) in our addiction, (laughs) we never had two cents to rub together besides when we were getting high. And the fact that he was offering to buy me $10 worth of food and not ask for it in return, something, I was, I was shocked. Yeah. You know, something changed. Something was different. Um, you know, I, I get a little bit choked up. I'm trying not to cry, but it's it's uh, 
my addiction was so bad. And then to see, to, I knew how bad his was. Yeah, I knew you had I, a first row seat for, to this. First row seat. We were we were like this for a long time. And, and you know what? It actually brings me to another topic: is how how toxic we were. Yeah. In our addiction, yeah, very. We, we both have been to treatment. I don't know how many times. And many, yeah, many times he would go to treatment, and I and I at the time I actually took over, uh, paying for the house where my grandparents lived that were next door to his parents. So now I'm pretending living, to pay for it. Pretending, right, right, right pretending <laughs> to pay. Yeah, and uh, I'm living next door to his parents, and they're sending him off to rehab, and he's got to come home. And sure enough, I'm still getting high next door. And hey, Steve, why don't you come on? And multiple times. Either I would do that to him or he would do that to me. I actually went to treatment one time. He picked me up at the bus station with pills. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a friend right there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is possible for people that have gone through addiction to recover together. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think as bad as we were of an influence on each other at times, we still had love for each other. Um, you know, and uh, there's some people that I wish were here to experience this with me, but they're no longer here. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a crazy story. We'll transition in. I think with that, we're going to transition into Ryan's rope. So tell the story of Ryan's rope and we'll put up the website. Uh, I want to get, I want to get, uh, the, the treatment, uh, stuff that you guys do out in the community. I want to get that on the air and I'd like to, if you guys are cool with it, I want to open up the phone lines in a little bit and we'll take a couple of phone calls. Uh, but tell me a little bit about Ryan's rope. So Ryan's rope, uh, it's not Ryan's hope. It's Ryan's Rope. A lot of people get confused with that. I loved that show when I was a kid. Probably still <laughs> on, Ryan's Hope. No, I, do I, I don't know what you're talking about, Kevin. Um, so Ryan's Rope, what Steve just said, he, he wished that some uh, some others were here to experience what me and Steve are here and uh, what we're experiencing today, um, is we had a friend, Ryan, Ryan Bullock. He um, was, again, one of my best friends. He went to River Ridge High School with me. Uh, we were in active addiction together. We did a lot of toxic things together. Uh, he would get clean and I would help him relapse. I would get clean and he would help me relapse vice versa over and over and over. And in 2018, he reached out for help. He was in, uh, Pasco County jail and, um, he reached out to myself for help. He saw that I was doing pretty good. I was about six months clean and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I helped him come down to South Florida and, uh, he moved into the halfway house that I was living at and I was, and I was managing at the time. And, um, he did okay. He got about two or three months under his belt, but then he got very self-centered, and um, he lost his his uh, his path, and he ended up relapsing, and he had nowhere to go. And when he relapsed and had nowhere to go, he went back to Newport Ritchie, and the next morning his father called me saying that he found him dead. Oh, my God. And I tried everything I could to help that guy. I did everything in my power. I beat myself up over uh, because I, I got him my same sponsor. I got him the same home group that I had. He was living in the area where I found recovery, and I beat myself up that I couldn't save him. Yeah. So a few hours after his death, my perception has now changed. Remember that. So now I'm, I'm six months sober, and I'm, I'm seeing things differently. And I said, Ryan's not just going to be a Facebook person. Ryan's not going to be an RIP status. Mm. Ryan's going to have purpose. And uh, I created Ryan's Rope Foundation. I had the idea that said Ryan had nowhere to go because he had no resources. Let's create a nonprofit that raises resources to help people like Ryan. And Ryan can now save people in his death when he couldn't save people in his life. So now Ryan has a purpose, and it's Ryan's Rope. And the reason why it's called Ryan's Rope, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Um, you ever picture the, the logo is a mountain, okay? And you hear of mountain climbers who, um, who are all attached by ropes. You know, they're all climbing the mountain, and, you, you know, you got a series of mountain climbers climbing Mount, Mount Everest. Right. And um, the one at the top has more experience, and he's attached to the guy behind him who's attached to the guy behind him who's attached to the guy behind him. And Ryan's rope is just like any addict who – will explain their addiction as a giant mountain to climb. Yeah, if you're doing it by yourself. But when you get somebody like Steve, who had somebody in front of him, who had somebody in front of him, we're all attached by ropes. Yep. So Steve paid it forward, I pay it forward, and then the people that I help are paying it forward, and so on and so on. 
So the idea became, well, let's call it Ryan's Rope. And and it came from a simple Facebook post when I did say something about mountain climbing and addiction. And Ryan's mother actually said, I wish my son Ryan had had a rope. And right then the light bulb clicked. And I said, well, you know what? He's going to have a rope. And we created Ryan's Rope. And now since the, the start of the nonprofit, we've scholarshiped over a dozen people. Yeah, We've changed some lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we get testimonies all the time of people who were in bad situations and, and now got out of it. Um, and Ryan's still helping people even in his death. So the, the website is, is ryansropefoundation.com. I know for a fact that this is a, a very active part of recovery, that you guys are doing some good things with Ryan's Rope because the three of us, when the cameras are off, mm-hmm. are, are contacting each other with opportunities to help people and, and what's available and where can we send this guy. And uh, I know this guy, This is you know I've known this guy for five years, and he's struggling. Right. He sounds ready. What can we do for this guy? So the three of us have always communicated since our first episode almost a year ago, uh, trying to make a difference in the recovery community. And I know for a fact that Ryan's Rope, a friend of mine, went through Ryan's Rope. Mm-hmm. We just talked about that before we went on the air. So the uh, 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 what we're doing and what you guys are doing, particularly in, the, in Florida and, and outside of Florida, uh, really is making a difference. And, and what worries me is people think that they – that there aren't, they don't stand a chance, right? That there's, that they're not lovable, that they, nobody cares for them, that they themselves uh, have no God or know no God or not created in God's image. When, when we're dealing with alcoholics and I'm sitting across the table from an addict and his mom or an addict and his wife, I'm looking at somebody created in God's image and it breaks my heart that they're, that they're in this situation. And it, it fills my heart to know that guys like you out there making a difference in this community because, uh, if you follow the God Logic Project, I have people in here all the time that are that are actively working in uh, made of career, even of of trying to make a difference in the lives of addicts and alcoholics. The problem is the funding's not always there, right. so things like Ryan's Rope is an important part of that uh, of that uh, uh, puzzle. Yeah, and we just we got to a point where we wanted to literally help every population possible. Um, and real quick, I want to give a shout out to, uh, John Afeki for making me this shirt. Oh, stop I, the stigma. I wear it proudly, man, because in my experience, it took a lot for myself to finally ask for help. It took me being in a hospital bed two times within 24 hours overdosed to say, okay, maybe I could get help now. Maybe I'm ready. Um, and I know a lot of people don't get that opportunity, man, because as we all know, suffering grows in silence. And everybody knows somebody that struggles with addiction. So let's help some people get the help because they may get high tonight for the last time. And that's the truth. And we have, we have people watching live shouting out to you guys. Eric MacArthur. Uh, we have Dolores Childs on here. We have Casey Haggerty, my daughter, Pastor Casey Haggerty now. Uh, a lady named Pam Blaylock uh, watching us right now. Bridget Harris Fulton. Good job, Mike G. So there's somebody oh, pulling for you. you, buddy. You. I you Jane Afeki made the shirt. Yep. Uh, she's watching. Dan Michael watching. I think that's one of my guys, uh, one of the followers of the God Logic Project anyway. So there's people watching our show. Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines here. Right before I do, I want to show the websites of the companies you work for. I want to sure. make sure that the that people that are watching this, they have a family member maybe that that is struggling with addiction right now, that they know there's opportunities there. And now they maybe got to know me a little better, got to know you guys a little bit better. Uh, and, and so they might feel comfortable sure. reaching out to you guys professionally. So the, uh, uh, what I'm going to do is put up, uh, what should I put up first? How about this one since I picked it first? All right. Clean Recovery Centers. Steve, what do you think? What do you got to say about them? So they're located in Tampa, Florida. Um, They've been around for about four years. Um, They offer a a wide variety of treatment options for anybody looking for a treatment facility. Um, There's some in-network contracts with specific insurances. Um, But, you know, it's just a a vessel for help. You know, if anybody is in the Tampa Bay area and looking for a good place to go, feel free to get a hold of me. I'd be more than happy to help you and put you in touch with someone that can help you. And you work, you work with Ryan's Rope, your foundation yeah, will so work with I, Ryan's I'm, Rope? I'm on the board with Mike. He's the founder. But, you know, I have some parts in the decision-making on who we're going to help. Um, him and I do brief phone screenings with anybody that needs help. You know, I'll talk to him first, and then Mike will get a, a, a better feel on, 
you know, the consultation process and if they're going to be a good fit for us. So then what I would do, what I'd stop and do right now for local businesses uh, in Florida or outside of Florida, if you would, if you would invest in these 5013Cs, if you have to write off a certain amount of money every year anyway, this is the way to do it. This is not just this is not just helping some strangers, some drug addicts, but this is helping to clean up your neighborhood in your state. And this is taking a liability, a potential thief of, or a liability of some sort, and making them usually the most productive member of the staff. So people that struggle with alcohol and, and, and drug addiction generally are hardworking. They're generally great salesmen. They're generally very, very above average intelligence. I not me, but most of y'all are above <laughs> average yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Uh, and this is an asset that local businesses could really yes. benefit from. So if you guys would take a, take the time to, to support places like uh, like Clean Recovery Centers and, and Ryan's Rope, uh, and the next one that we're going to show here in a second, uh, you can you can make a real difference. Uh, not just not just to help a drug addict or an alcoholic, but their family, and their community, and your community. So in that sense, we're kind of all in this together, and we would all benefit from. Absolutely. From the work that, that yeah. we do, you know. For as sure. you're uh, as you're bringing that up about local businesses and stuff, the last time we were on uh, on air, I think it was May of last year, and uh, we were getting ready to do a Ryan's Rope event. It was our first event. We had striking the epidemic. It was a bowling tournament local at uh, at Langlo South over off of Old Fifty Four. Well, follow up uh, story about how it went down is we had a sold out bowling alley. I remember near four hundred people. We raised almost $25,000. Oh, my God. And with that, we were able to help all the people that we've helped in the past year. And do you have something new coming up? Yep. We, well, it's it's the second annual Striking the Epidemic. It'll be June 9th. Uh, that is a Tuesday. And we love to have local businesses. Last year, I'll give him a shout-out, we had Gil McWilliams from uh, McWilliams & Sons Heating and Air. Mm-hmm. He was our— I know that. Yeah, you know Gil? Yeah, he's yeah. in recovery himself, and he's proud oh, of he? it. I didn't know and that. He uh, just blew his anonymity, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, he'll, he'll blow his anonymity to help anybody. Like me, you know? yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, he was our presenting sponsor last year, and I believe he's going to be our presenting sponsor this year. Uh, we had companies like Kilter, Kilty Plumbing, uh, Jackie Boré, Real Estate, um, Deborah Diaz— uh, attorneys at law. We had all types of local businesses come out, sponsor us, and be a part of it. And and they all love it because, like Steve said, everybody knows an addict. Everybody loves an addict. Yeah. Okay. Everybody has some type of story, whether it's a brother, a sister, a family member, a friend, yep. um, mother, father. Everybody knows somebody. And the more community gets involved, the more people will get helped, and the better that the communities will be. And it's, yeah, so it is uh, a rising tide raises all ships. And, and so we'll all benefit, not just the, the addict and the family of that addict and the loved ones of that addict, uh, but potential employers of that addict. The uh, lo- uh, people bouncing back from recovery and addiction finish their educations. Right. Uh, they become pastors, right. right? They become leaders in the community. They, they, uh, they do what, what nobody really, including themselves, think they can do. Right. So in, in my experience, addicts are some of the most intelligent and creative people out there. You know, I've seen people literally transform their lives and have everything they've ever wanted very quickly after turning their life around. Because what I've realized is that I was the problem. You know, it wasn't mm. the drugs and the alcohol. And I was quickly to deflect every single time I would make excuse. Oh, well, if you know, they didn't bring that around me. Maybe I wouldn't be in the situation <laughs> that I'm in. Or if this situation didn't happen, maybe I wouldn't end up the way it is. So that's why Mike and I are big believers on asking for help is a sign of strength. It's mm. it's not a weakness by any means. I know a lot of people view it as that. I, I was even a, a person that viewed it as a sign of weakness in the beginning mm-hmm. um, because I was so prideful. You know, I let my pride and ego get in the way of me getting help, and it almost killed me. Well, even when I first quit drinking, I – I mean, I, I knew that, that the 12-step programs worked for everybody else, right. but they weren't really my problem. Right. I needed to toughen up and quit drinking. Right. That type of thing. I wasn't going to pray. I wasn't going to hug. I wasn't going to read anything. I wasn't right. going to tell anybody about my feelings. I didn't even know if I had any feelings. And if <laughs> I had them, I buried them with a shovel. Right. Then I buried the shovel. Right. I was not interested in that. That type of thinking, 18 years, 17 and a half years into my sobriety, I was going to kill myself over right. money. Yep. Right? That's 14 years ago, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, that night... That night I went, I started going back to the rooms and I never stopped. I've, right. I've been knee deep in it, face down in it ever since. And, and it's, the, uh, and the it way saved drugs my life. Are today, and the way drugs are today, they'll kill you after one time. Yeah. The, the fentanyl, the fentanyl wasn't around when I was using The fentanyl wasn't around when you were drinking. Um, 
I actually just dealt with a relapse this morning, a girl who was clean for almost two years, one time last night, and then yeah. she was found in her, thank God she's alive right now, but she was found dead in the bathroom. Yeah. And they were able to Narcan her and resuscitate her, but it just takes one time, and that's why asking for help is a sign of strength and not weakness, because that fentanyl stuff will kill you. Yeah, and I think everybody throughout their addiction, at least I can say this, speak for myself, I always thought I was invincible. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, that'll never happen to me, you know, and I'm sure the people that are no longer here had said the same thing at one point or another, but you never know when it's going to be your time. Yeah, well, the speaking of, of uh, Narcan, uh, this is what Narcan looks like, guys, and the uh, uh, this stuff is something that every parent, every brother, every sister, every employer, every church uh, – Everybody, I keep this not just in the studio, but I also keep it in the car, right? I have two doses in the car at all times. This is stuff, by the way, that is regularly given away for free. And if, it, if you think this is something that, that you should have in your life, and I'm saying you should, something like 80% of the times that this is administered to save a life is done by lay people. It's mm-hmm. not done by e- mm-hmm. EMS or at the hospital. Right. It's done by moms and aunts and grandmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this stuff is available Message me at godlogicproject.com, uh, and I'll, I'll hook you up with some. I'll find a way to get you some. I'll send you mine if I have to, but the uh, uh, that stuff is readily available, and it's saving lives every day. And I've, I've done an episode or two on Narcan, too, and I had a lady in here that uh, uh, her son died and was Narcan back to life right in front of her, and he went back out. You know, the glorious thing is I had lunch, I had a lunch with him last Sunday. That's and, awesome. Uh, uh, he had a couple of weeks for the first time in his in his. He's 22 and hasn't yeah. had a very long life, but uh, he, he, for the first time in his life, he's, he's active in recovery instead of active in addiction. While, and, while you're talking about Narcan, Steve actually has been Narcan twice, passed away twice, flatlined twice, within, what, six hours? Uh, a full day, but, you know, okay. the first time, so the first time I was in my car, I'll tell the story again. First time I was in my car, I got high, did what I did, and started driving, and I don't remember anything after that. I was found up against a tree in my car, someone called the ambulance, paramedics got there, they broke out the back window to save me because my doors lock when my car is in park, so they didn't want to get the glass all over me, so they, they broke out the back window, popped the door open, pulled me out of the car, They, I was blue, no no breathing, nothing was going on, and they narcan me a few times, nothing happened, a fourth one brought me back. They brought me to the hospital where I had no idea what was going on. I mean, I didn't have my shoes on, my keys, my phone, my wallet. I didn't have anything. And I kept seeing this nurse go back and forth in the hallway. And I was like, where am I? This is crazy. What happened? And she finally came in and she said, honey, you're lucky to be alive. You know what happened? I said, oh, no, did I kill somebody? Like, I had no idea what happened. So she said, no, you were found overdosed in your car. She's like, you're, you should be grateful to be even alive right now. And it just hit me. I was like, wow, like all those times I thought I was invincible. I thought this would never happen to me. And here I am, you know, what am I going to do about it? And that wasn't enough for me to hit my emotional bottom. The the absolute insanity of it is things like that. Just sometimes not enough for for ourselves and for the people we try to help. Right. So I literally (coughs) got discharged within a couple of hours from being in the hospital and they didn't give me any option for treatment or anything like that. And I went right back to my apartment where I had a little bit left. And I did it. Because as addicts, we want to go back to the stuff that killed us because it got us high. Yeah. And I did just a little bit. My roommate said, all right, I'm going to work. Everything cool? I said, yeah, I'll be, a f- I'll be fine. I think I told him I got in a car accident or something. I didn't really tell him the truth. So he went to work at like 4.30. I did what I had left in my medicine cabinet, and I walked out to the kitchen. That's the last thing I remember. And this is like a few hours from the last overdose I just had. So thank God he went and brought some food back to the apartment before he went to work. Because whenever he came back up there, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be here. So, So, yeah. Absolute insanity. I hear these things all the time, but a normal person, this this type of – Insanity doesn't even register for them. It, it, right. The, the amount of desperation. Right. And you want to talk about along God logic on the God logic project? So that story that he's talking about, this is the way it went down. Our other friend, Curtis, who is, was, was his roommate, who brought the food and, and called 911 and started CPR, he only showed up 
because the restaurant that he ordered food from messed up his order and gave him extra food. Yep. So he had a little bit of time. He said, you know what, I, I'll bring Steve some tacos. I got these extra tacos. And if that restaurant doesn't mess up his food. Steve's dead. Steve's dead. So now, today, I tip Tijuana Flats extra <laughs> because they saved my life. Yeah. You just, I just hope they keep screwing up orders. Yeah. Yeah. No, but what what I'm what I try to do today is I try to go into these hospitals and offer services because there was no services provided to me after that overdose. So I think it's so critical that these hospitals have places where people can get help at upon being in the same spot that I was once in. Well, they're starting to they're beginning to offer faith based resources right. in the hospitals because I started yep. speaking or preaching uh, at one of our local hospitals once a week. Right. And, uh, That's awesome. Even a year ago, that was unthinkable that they would they would yeah, allow we, a pastor in to speak. Of course, pastor right. who's an alcoholic, uh, but the uh, uh, there's multiple pathways to recovery. I didn't take the Christian route. You know, right. I took the Kevin route. Almost <laughs> killed me. Still didn't take the Christian route. I took the twelve step route after that for right. a few years, and and you know came to Christ mm-hmm. nine and a half years ago. I've been sober wow. thirty wow. thirty years, yeah. thirty one years. So it's uh. uh what if I died? What if I killed myself? What if I what if I died when I was twenty one? You know, right. and now you look at young. I look at I wasted half of my sobriety opportunity to help people. But um, what about these kids we deal with that are 22, 25 years right. old? They got fifty years left to helping people. Right. You know, and we it gives me hope that we may win this thing. Right. You know, I'd love to preach my way out of business. I'd love to twelve step my way out of business, or I show up at uh, at the jail and nobody's there for drugs and alcohol this week, so you can mm-hmm. go home. You know. Right. That would be that would be awesome Incredible. if we can if get there. If we could win the battle, yeah, the battle of the good and the bad, and the the reason why I go so hard at helping as many people as I can is because I hate addiction. Hmm. I hate what it did to me, and I know that if I can spread my solution to more people, that that solution can get spread to more people, and we can potentially win the battle. Yeah. You know, and and I know it's going to take a lot of work and there's a lot of effort and there's a lot of addiction out there, but one person helping one person helping one person, it's like that pay it forward graph where you yeah. see, you know, it's, it's, it's like almost a, like wildfire. It's like a, a goodwill Ponzi scheme. You right. Know? It's like right. a, yeah. you're downline, you're downline, you're downline. Maybe I, I talk to a hundred people, right. maybe five of them, unfortunately right. get it. Right. And they start working with 100 people. That's 500 people. Right. Maybe 5% of those get it, you know. Right. We could win this thing. There's For no sure. doubt in my mind we can. Uh, this is, you know, to me it's a battle. It's the ultimate battle of good and evil. We're on front lines, right? right. It's right. God versus the devil, and, and we're three-legged wildebeest. The people we deal with are on the edge of the herd. They're vulnerable. They're more vulnerable than a calf in the middle of the herd. Right. Uh, and that's where we come in, you know. So I, I take pride in that kind of stuff. We're going to talk uh, real briefly, guys, about uh, – about all-in solutions, and sure. this one's going to go to Mike because this is your baby, right? Tell us, all-in solutions. His website is on the screen. Sure, yeah, we're located in Boynton Beach, Florida, just about twenty minutes outside of West Palm on the East Coast. Um, one thing you you just brought up quickly is uh, the the faith-based um, materials in the hospital. Well, we actually offer a faith-based program at All-in Solutions. We have a, a traditional route that you can go, like you went with the AA and the twelve steps, but then we also have uh, a man named Pastor Dan who runs our uh, faith-based program. And uh, three nights a week, they're going to recovery church-type places, celebrate recovery-type places. Uh, they get involved with Bible studies. And, and the success that I see from someone who does both, who takes the AA route. Yeah, and it's gets, a big help. Right. The success. So I'm, I'm the alumni coordinator at our facility. So I see the success rates. I see who's doing well, who's involved, who's, who's giving back, who isn't, and the majority of the ones who go through the faith-based program, faith-based programs, are the ones out there killing the game, doing everything they got to do, giving back, volunteering at churches, um, and and that's that's one of the things that we offer. Um, I'm actually I'm actually proud to announce that the next so we do a uh, uh, a baptism ceremony in the ocean where Pastor Dan goes out with our clients and. And he will baptize them. So the next baptism that we have with our uh, our clients, I'm actually going to get baptized and, and allow Pastor Dan to do that with myself because uh, I went the traditional route like you did. Um, I found AA. I was afraid of church. I, you know, the, um, 
but now I've been clean for a little while, and and you know maybe this could be the next step of my journey. Yeah, and you, know? you, you when you when you finally clear your head up long enough, well enough, long enough, then you hear stories like Steve. Right. You know, when we're new, we're thinking, man, was he lucky? Mm-hmm. You know, right. I lost all faith in coincidence. Now, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely. just it's God's providence over and over and over again. The people I deal with. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd bet against some of them. I don't think they're going to make it. And then, and then I run into them six months later, and I don't even recognize them. Right. I mean, that's right. not us, right? That's not human. Right. Our, our, our human inclination, our, our human nature is to go back to what's killing us. Exactly. Uh, so it takes, it takes a, a psychic change, a spiritual right. change in our lives. Uh, those are the people that succeed. If people with 30 years of recovery generally aren't afraid to talk about their relationship with their higher power. Right. So it's really only people new in recovery that, that are uncomfortable talking about right. it. That should tell you something. And right. I, I can I can speak from experience. You know, my faith was absent most of my life. Um, but it wasn't until that someone broke it down to me. Like, like Mike was saying earlier, like he said, do you believe that I believe? Like I was a vicious heroin addict and now I'm sober. Like what can you tell me worked for me? And I that was enough for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So over time, repetition, praying to something that I didn't know what it looked like, what it felt like, you know, over time, I gradually experienced that conscious contact with a being that's greater than myself because I knew I can't do this alone. I need you just as much as you need me and we need each other. So over time, man, it just gradually developed into an intimate relationship to where now I'm experiencing wanting to go a little bit deeper and get more spiritual, more whatever that looks like. Yeah. You know, I'm still, you know, and that's the thing, you know, with recovery, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly adapting to situations and change. And I think that if we can, can continue to stay open-minded to the process and just allow ourselves to conform to whatever that is. Right. And that I really think. is between them and God, right. right? It's none of our business after right. that. So right. the, uh, uh, we don't, we don't, I mean, we don't help it evangelism if i can call it that right. is a program of attraction too right. so if it's if if it's uh not if i don't have something they want just like in recovery what i tell them isn't going to make a difference right if right. you're not living it it, do, it doesn't count if you do once an, for an hour on sunday mm-hmm. right right if you don't if you don't change if you're not if there isn't a discernible change in your life by the way if your life doesn't get better you're going to go back out because you have right. nothing to lose. When, right. you're, when you really start to put your life together, and there have been times in my life that I felt like I had too much to lose to drink. Right. And that's what someone told me in AA. They said, listen, if you take the steps required and nothing happens for you in a year, feel free to go do some more controlled <laughs> drinking. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. I'll give you a year. Yeah. And my life changed for the better, man, and I don't mm-hmm. want anything to do with it. And like Mike said, like I, ha- I have a strong hate for addiction because of what it did to my own life. Yeah. But at the same time, if I took those small steps to get all these things that these people are experiencing, then I'm going to give it a shot mm-hmm. because these people and myself and him included, we have amazing relationships with our families today. And I think he can speak for that himself, too. I know that's one of the best gifts that I've received because I know the hell I put my family well, and through. And you think about it. My mother, by the way, pretended she didn't know me when I was a kid at a party. Right. Somebody asked if she was related to me, and she said no. That's hard on a parent. I couldn't, right. ma- couldn't imagine now that I'm a parent, uh, these 12 steps, this 12 step programs, the things that you guys do, the God Logic Project, stuff like this has saved more lives than penicillin. Absolutely. We underestimate the and power I, behind it. I want to you know? bring up one thing that I tell sponsees or anybody that I'm working with who's unsure. And I'd like to kind of mention this to anybody watching who's struggling, anybody uh, who may be watching who knows somebody is struggling. What do you have to lose? Yeah. Okay. What do you have to lose right. from reaching out for help? What do you have to lose from doing a 12-step program or going to church? If you're actively shooting heroin or drinking every single day until you're going to kill yourself, <clears throat> what do you have to lose by asking for help? Yeah. You know, and if there's anybody watching who is, you know, searching for some type of help, I, I can give out my phone number now over the air. Uh, it's area code 727 Excuse me, area code 727-645-2015. And if if they're struggling or you know somebody is struggling, if you're struggling, what do you have to lose from making a phone call? There is is, uh, tons of opportunity. So the uh, more and more, and I think it's it's market demand, there's the opioid epidemic is is swept through this entire country, maybe Florida harder than everybody else because it comes from here. It came from here back in your day. But uh, 
The website for all in solutions is a aiscounseling.com, aiscounseling.com. Uh, what I'm going to do, guys, is uh, I'm going to open the phone lines here in a minute. So uh, if we can, uh, uh, if you had an elevator speech for, for recovery for people, uh, I'm going to be typing on my tablet here since I'm also the engineer and the, and the host. I'm going to, I'm going to, you guys are going to run, you guys are going to be a distraction for me for a couple of minutes so I can type in the phone number. Sure. Uh, so give me your elevator speech, Mike, if you, you know, a quick minute or two about what, why in the world would I even bother getting sober? And if my son or daughter or family member is high and, uh, and destroying my life as well as theirs, what's the first step? What do we do? The first step of what you would like to do is the phone number that I just read out. Um, and if you're not comfortable with that, Facebook Messenger, text messages, any way that you'd like to reach out, you can remain anonymous, um, however you'd like to go about it. And, and the elevator pitch, I don't really have much of an elevator pitch, um, but what I do have is an example. Okay? Specific set of skills. <laughs> developed over a long career right right and the elevator pitch that i have to give are these three pictures yeah i'm gonna hold them up next to me and kevin zoomed in on them earlier but if you're unsure and you're not sure it can work for you look at those pictures that's 15 years of ravaging savage drug addiction and who i am today was just a man who was willing to ask for help a man who is willing to take a couple of suggestions. Um, what do you have to lose? In your addiction, you have everything to lose. Yeah. Making a phone call or a message or, or reaching out, nothing bad's going to happen. I say it all the time to a sponsee who is maybe stuck on their step work. Like, dude, what do you have to lose? You have everything to gain, but nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. Nobody's going to jump out and hit you with a club because you try it for 90 work. days. If you don't like it, we'll, great, we'll gladly mm -hmm. refund your misery. Go yeah. right back to the street if that's where right. you want to be. You know, and truth is, people do it. So there is a, uh, we can, uh, there is an opportunity for change. There is hope in this mess. And more and more, there's hope. Maybe there's more hope now than it was 10 years ago right. because of the market demand for guys like you uh, right. that can really dedicate 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week to this thing. Uh, Steve, what do you think, buddy? What would you tell somebody if they had a if themselves or a family member so uh, wanted to years, make a move? Over the years, I thought I could manage my addiction. I thought I had control over it. But in reality, my addiction was the one calling the shots and not myself. So what I can tell you is that you are not alone and it is okay to not be okay. There are people out here like myself and Mike that would do anything to show you that there's a better way of life. Um, I like to view myself as a wounded healer. You know, I have a solution. I know what works, and I will make myself available for anybody. This guy and I are also interventionists, so if there's a loved one you know of who has something that you guys want to help them get better with, you know, addiction, whatever it is, we would be more than willing to do anything to get your loved one help. Um, and I'll give my phone number out right now. It's 561 289 um, I think for me in my situation, I was so isolated in, in, the, in the depths of my addiction that I, I, I thought there was no hope for me. Um, I, was, I was very hopeless, and I thought I was going to die this way. I ended up looking in the mirror, and I hated the person that I saw to where today I love the person in the mirror because I have respect for myself. I love who I've become, and, you know, I always knew this was possible. I just needed someone else to help me get there. Well, we have now, guys, we have the phone lines are open. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm both the technician, the engineer, and the host, so it gets a little awkward when I try to take phone calls till I have an assistant. Uh, in the mean in meantime, guys, uh, call in 727-600-5837. Uh, as always, if you're not comfortable calling in, that's fine. Uh, you can message us on, on today on Facebook. Uh, we're following the messages on Facebook right now. We're going to talk about those in a second. But you could always message me at godlogicproject.com. I'm very serious when I say there's tons of resources available. These two gentlemen leading the way here in Florida. Uh, I know a lot of people, and if I, if I can't help, somebody I know is going to be able to help. So uh, if all you can do is, is send me a message, message me at godlogicproject.com. Uh, we'll get this ball rolling, and, and it'll be totally up to you how you proceed. 
Uh, but we are we're going to open the phone lines. But first, we're going to go through some of our messages. Uh, very exciting. Uh, Mike Gasparino's watching us right now. Oh wow! <laughs> I love that guy. Do you know him? I love that guy. Never heard of him. Uh, I heard he's a handsome fella, huh? Uh, NSV uh, surviving. Uh, victoriously surviving victoriously is watching Jack Crowley, who is a, uh, 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 all in solution, South Jersey alumni. What's up, Jack? What's up, Jack? Uh, all in changed his life. Uh, a, a really, I'm not sure if this, if he's just using Denzel's picture, but a very handsome guy named Kevin Haggerty is saying, uh, the phone lines are open Oh wow. so we can call in them. We've had a lot of people watching the show during the day, during the podcast here, guys. Uh, and so if anybody would like to call in, I encourage you to do that. Uh, we're going to go through uh, the websites, the the websites again for everybody. I don't know if it's going to show the going to take away the phone number. No, the phone number is still there. This is All In Solutions, AISCounseling.com. They are in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. Is that correct? And they are uh, in Boynton Beach. And are you guys up here too? Well, I'm sorry. Is all, in? All, all In, where are they located? We are in Boynton Beach in New Jersey. Boynton Beach yes, in New sir. Jersey. But you can... You, service kind of the whole the entire state of florida yeah or anywhere outside of the state of florida resources everywhere uh you know my phone's on 24 7 so if you know there's somebody in chicago watching you know we we have resources everywhere you know and then steve we got uh if i could find it again the first one uh, no i didn't uh, well maybe it's not the first one i thought i was better at this uh, well, luckily, it's not on the screen right now. So you guys say something intelligent while we wait for somebody to call in. We'll wrap up the show here in a little bit. Uh, but I do want to get uh, uh, what's the website for your for your uh, organization? CleanRecoveryCenters.com. CleanRecoveryCenters.com. Yes, sir. And we're counting on a left-handed plumber to type that in right now. Never good. But we nailed it. Look at that. Uh, how we lost that, I'm not sure, but uh, Clean Recovery Centers, and they're they're out of Newport Richie. Are they local? So we're uh, some exciting announcements to come, uh, but right now we are located in Tampa, Florida. Yep, 508 West Fletcher Avenue. Yes, sir. And the uh, uh, that is uh, what kind of services you guys offer there? Do you have detox there? They got to go to detox first and then go to you. How's it work? Once again, some exciting news to follow. Okay, so we're not allowed to announce <laughs> yeah. it right now. Yeah. But when you announce it, surely you'll be on the God Logic project I when will. you announce it. For sure. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, parting thoughts. What would you say to folks uh, with, if in your parting thoughts here? We're, no, we're, uh, we haven't taken any phone calls. We're going to uh, going to kind of wrap things up unless somebody calls. Uh, thank you guys, of course, always for being here. Thanks when you guys call and say, let's do a podcast, you know I'm always ready. Mm -hmm. Almost wasn't ready today, by yeah. the way. YouTube <laughs> kicked us out. Yep. And then uh, we had no Wi-Fi till about 1130, and we were going live at noon. So that was that got ugly. Yeah, The enemy so, uh, didn't want to hear our message, but got out other plans today. Right. Somebody, the enemy was against what something you they, somebody was going to hear here today. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, perseverance. The scripture tells us all the time to persevere. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, that's what we were managed to do today. Uh, so, guys, I really do appreciate your being here. I know you guys are doing a lot of important work, and, and, and I know your hearts now. We've been around each other now a year. Uh, I can say I can say with firsthand experience because we do. I do bring folks to you guys on a pretty regular basis for help. Uh, we got our buddy Nate up in uh, South Carolina, South Carolina, and I'm I'm following him on Facebook, and he's working. He looks great, yeah. and uh, was you know you guys really did step in and, and take care of that for me, and that's. Uh, uh, my phone rings all the time, and uh, uh, I'm always looking for, for resources, and I'm plugged in with so many people here. Unfortunately, in West Pasco, there is enough people, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. there's enough of a need that it's it's uh, very concentrated. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate you guys supporting the God Logic Project for watching us today. Uh, if you would, take a second, get over to uh, youtube.com forward slash God Logic Project. The reason we're on Facebook today is because I don't have a thousand subscribers over there. I need it for a lot of reasons. That's one of them. So if you get over to youtube.com forward slash Godlogic Project, subscribe. Ring the alert bell if you want to keep up with uh, with what we're doing here. We'll give you a little reminder that uh, content was uploaded. If not, I do appreciate the subscription. If there's any way I can help you guys, honestly, uh, godlogicproject.com. Uh, if there's something I can do for you, either spiritually with your faith, uh, 
with your family, loved ones, and particularly addiction. Uh, I'm here. I'm here to help. And there's there's guys like Mike and Steve that are around me that are that are always there to serve. I want to thank you guys, as always, for shopping at Amazon. If you're going to shop at Amazon anyway, for going to GodLogicProject.com first, clicking on the Amazon logo. It has generated a little bit of income for the GodLogic Project uh, and helps helps sustain the fees for running the podcast every week that uh, that right now are coming out of my broke pocket. So uh, thank you guys for that. If you want to donate directly to the GodLogic Project, people have been doing that. Uh, it's paypal.me forward slash Project. Always appreciate that. As always, thank you for subscribing. You see God Logic Project uh, content anywhere on social media. Please share it, comment, and give it a thumbs up, thumbs down. If you give it a thumbs down, comment too so I can get some, uh, some of the negative feedback as well. Uh, and that's it. If no one's told you they love you today, God loves you. So do we. Receive that. Be blessed. And we'll speak soon. Outro music. Thank you for supporting the God Logic Project. And if no one's told you they love you today, God loves you. So do I. Receive that. Be blessed. We'll speak soon. This has been a Rev Kev production. Your mileage may vary. Shut up, Kevin.